I've had a lot of thoughts in my head this week about what to say and how to say it. So I hope I get my point across. We'll see how it goes. But I want to focus specifically on the figure of John the Baptist. He's an eccentric man. He lives out in the desert, in the wilderness. He uh, eats bugs and honey. He wears animal clothes. He shouts and screams repentance. Calls people snakes. Yells at them, tells them to get their act together. It's really an amazing man. Like, but we, there must be something we can learn from him because all four of the gospel writers give him a very prominent place. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very prominent. And if there's one guy that, if I make it to heaven, which I hope I do, I want to meet, it's this guy. Like, he is, I mean, even, you've you ever seen The Chosen? Uh, the new story about Jesus, right? Uh, they call him Creepy John, right? Because he eats bugs and he's just a weird guy. But I think we can learn something from him. Maybe a lot of things from him. But I don't even really want to look at like him as a person, right? I want to look at one little detail. And that's this. Where is he preaching? It says very clearly where he's preaching. It says he's preaching in the desert. In the wilderness. This is where he chose to start his ministry of making this clear path. Of Jesus into people's hearts. So why did he choose the desert? Think about this. In the scriptures, how many times do we hear about the desert? It's everywhere. Right? Where does Moses encounter God for the first time in the burning bush? In the desert. Or the wilderness. Where do they receive the Ten Commandments? God's law. Where does God teach us about the ten most crucial things that affect us as human beings? In the desert. Where do the Israelites spend 40 years... Trying to figure out that they're the chosen people of God. In the desert. They're always in the desert. Elijah, in the desert. Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, in the desert. And when they go to the desert, it's because they're trying to figure out something really important. That's where God gives his word. Not in the city. In the city, there's too many distractions. In the desert, there's no distractions. There's no luxuries. There's no comforts. There's no Facebook, there's no Twitter, there's no Netflix, there's nothing. No fine things to distract us. In the desert, we have only ourselves. And we have to deal with who we are, the choices we've made, and the life we've lived. The simple basic truths of who we are and what we're made for. I've been watching this TV series, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's called Alone. Fascinating TV series. <clears throat> I think I watch it partially because I want to vicariously live through these guys. Because what happens is is they take 10 men who are pretty like survival oriented. They give them a tarp, a sleeping bag, a knife, a hatchet, a bow and arrow, and a flint thing. Whatever those things are called. To make fire. That's all they get. And then they drop them off in the middle of British Columbia. And they say, good luck. And not only do they have to survive, but they have to film the whole thing, too. And in this, it's it's incredible. The the weather conditions are awful. It rains about 75% of the time. It's cold. It's windy. They're next to the ocean. There's no fresh water source. There's no real animals to kill. The only animals out there are cougars, wolves, and bears, which hunt them relentlessly. They eat slugs, seaweed, bugs... Kind of reminds me of John the Baptist a little bit. And the idea is, how long can you survive? 
as I'm watching it, I'm watching this, right, in my lazy boy, with my Vikings blanket, sipping a, a nice ice-cold scotch, I'm like, I would never survive. And I like to think of myself as somewhat of an outdoors man, right? I just went on an elk hunt, five days. Five days living out in nature. I don't think I would survive two days there. I don't think any of you would, as a matter of fact. We are so pathetically soft at this point of our lives. We just keep it, each generation keeps getting softer and softer and softer. And the more soft you become, you don't, you don't like not have problems. We all, problems you will have with you always. But your problems become more and more shallow and hollow. It's not about mere survival. It's about, did I make the volleyball team? Did I make the honor roll? These are like little stupid things. The winner of this thing, right? His name was Alan. He survived 56 days on his own. And you know what all these guys said? They said that the survival part really wasn't even that bad. It was bad, but it wasn't that bad. You know what the hardest part was? Being alone. Most of them were on the verge of going insane before they tapped out. And when they all, all of them said, we've all learned a new perspective on life. And Alan, the guy who wins in 56 days, as he's flying back, the last scene of the last episode, he says this, and I thought it was fascinating. He says this, all the things we make so much drama about don't mean a hill of beans because we're all just passing through for a short time. And the stuff that we all have anxiety about and argue over relentlessly really means nothing. In the end, it all comes down to just one thing. How you loved. That's really the only legacy you got. The one thing that will last. The love you show your children, your friends, your spouse. That carries on and ripples throughout eternity. The rest of it? It's really just rubbish. When you think about the things we argue about and have anxiety about, in the end, most of it is a joke. And more, and I said, the more problems you have, the more shallow you live, the more relentless these problems seem to be in your life, and the more pathetic they really are. But when you really cut the world off and its distractions, and you begin to get down to the nuts and bolts of what it means to be human, and figure out what really matters in this life, then you begin to understand this life and what we were made for. If you don't, if you live in the world, you'll just believe what you're told. The easier life, right? The more we live it, the more we expect it. Why do you think people are leaving the church in droves? Because the church is too hard. So they go to a church that's much easier, that conforms to their lifestyle. Why? Well, that's because we're entitled to it. We are in a crisis of comfort. We're in a crisis of comfort. And that's why John is out in the desert. And I don't, this is where I got all mixed up in my head and I can't figure it out. You got you to pray about this and think about it. You and I, we need a desert. I don't know where that is or how you get to it or how you make it. Maybe it's you come here after work and spend 15 minutes in the desert of silence right here. And deal with yourself and your problems before God. 
Or maybe it's at night, before you go to bed, you just sit in silence. And you think about your day. And see it from the, from the perspective of God and how he's been working in your life. If we don't get back to the desert, we're going to lose ourselves. So we have to find one. The 17th century philosopher Blaise Pascal, he once said this. Most of us spend most of our time seeking diversions. Most of us spend most of our time seeking diversions. Diversions for what? Diversions in our work. In our play, in our entertainment, our relationships, in our prayer. What are we so afraid of? I think we're afraid of the big questions. Truths like we're going to die. And we know it. Questions about who God is and what he wants from me in this life. Questions of my sin and my brokenness and how I deal with that. Questions about what's the purpose of this life? What am I supposed, what is my legacy supposed to be? Honor, power, money, prestige? What is it? And it's precisely because these things are so dreadful that we avoid them. And in doing so, we never figure out what we're made for. Pascal himself was a big gambler. He loved to play dice. He said he was amazed at how many hours he could spend just frivolously gambling. There's no difference now. It's just different stuff. Xbox, Netflix, Shopping, sports, hunting, movies. What are these things? They're just, a, they're just us trying to avoid the big questions. Pascal said this. He said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in his room alone. We cannot be alone. We always are distracted. You, want, you don't believe me? Look around. Man, when these, like, the, this thing comes into us that, yeah, I'm alone. Yeah, I'm going to die at some point in my life. I got problems. I'm broken. When all that comes in, we don't have to deal with it. We just pull out our phone and start, what the, hey, look at that. Look at how messed up other people's lives are. Aren't I great? Watch people when they go out to eat. I love people watching. Maybe that's weird. I don't know. but I love to watch when people... Most people just sit and look at their phones. They don't talk. It's killing us. And this is why John says, repent. Does anybody know what repentance means? Do you know what, how you would translate it? I'll give you a hundred bucks. That usually gets people talking real quick. Gets what? Turn back. Yeah, that's, that's your classic theological definition. It actually means, so I'm not giving you any money. <laughs> it actually comes from two Greek words. Meta, it's metanoia, but meta and nous. Meta means beyond. Nous means the mind. What does repentance mean? Go beyond your mind. Get out of your self-focus. Think differently about this world. Don't just think what people are telling you to think. That's what John's saying. And the only thing that's different, the only one that's ever said anything that's new and different is him. And that's why he's saying, get ready. Because when he comes, he's going to teach you how to think in a whole different way. He's going to flip you on your head. Telling you that power doesn't come from manipulation and domination and fear and trembling. It comes from love. Go beyond your mind. Think differently. 
And it's time that you and I start thinking differently. And we get out into the desert. Before it's too late. And I don't want to sound like some gloom and doom guy, but we are losing the battle of the world. Jesus said, I called them out of the world. And we want to be part of it. And it's killing us. And it's killing our families. And it's doing it little by little by little. Just as I said, each generation, right? Gets a little softer, a little softer, a little softer. I found this quote from a saint. Check this out. I can't remember who said it or what the saint's name was. Very enlightening. Listen to this. If parents are saints, children will be holy. If parents are holy, children will be good. If parents are good, the children will be nice. And if parents are nice, the children will be godless. Because every generation we get a little weaker and a little softer. The world's crushing us right now. And that's why there's so much anxiety and depression in the world. Because we're listening to the wrong voice. Go beyond your mind. Listen to the voice crying out in the wilderness. And prepare a way in your heart for him who is to come. Cut off the world, that obnoxious voice. The church wants us during this time of Advent to get back to the basics. To go back to the essentials. To reorient our focus. Go into the silent of the desert of our hearts. And listen for that cry in the wilderness. So that we can actually prepare a way for the Lord to receive him at Christmas.